0: From a a world standpoint, when you say kindness and goodness, what are some things that you think about? You just say a word. Charity, what else? Love. Nice. Being a, a giving person. And those are a part of kindness and goodness, but... There's always the world's version, and then there's God's version. So what is God's version of kindness and goodness? What are those fruits? What do the seeds look like? In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says, If you then, evil, sinful by nature as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give what is good and advantageous to those who keep on asking him. So us, in our own sin nature, know how to be kind. We know how to be good. But why is that? If you think of how a certain singer or a certain musical artist, they, they have a style, right? Right? And when you hear a song from them, you can usually tell, oh, that's this person or an artist. They'll have a certain art style where if you look at their painting, you know, oh, that's insane. That's Picasso. God has a style. And when he created each one of you, there's a piece of him in there, regardless of whether you believe in him, follow him, whatever. There's still a piece of him. Which is why, in a bad, broken world, there are still even bad people who are kind. It's an aspect of God that we all have. You know, I love my words. The Greek word for goodness, agathosune, and it means a brightness of heart and life. And the Greek word for kindness is krestotes, which means giving favor, tender concern, uprightness. So in these two studies of these words, you see two things, heart and life, the inner man and the outer expression. Gospel hit on this a couple of weeks ago with with joy. He was talking about the heart. What is the heart? It's the innermost part of you. It's your spirit, it's your soul, it's your mind. And then in Luke 6, 45, it says, The intrinsically good man produces what is good and honorable and moral out of the good treasure stored in his heart. And the intrinsically evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. So my question to you is, what's in your heart? What's been in your heart this week? Has it been hate? Hate? Gossiping. Eves, am I, am I a kind person? Yes. How do you know? Care for you? What else? Give advice. Do I look like a kind person? Just by that hesitation, I, I know the answer. So you know I'm kind because of what I do. That's a definition of Kindness what I'm doing, the deeper part is what is my motive? Why am I giving advice? Why am I listening? Why am I praying for you? The motive of goodness and kindness is never to gain anything. It's not to gain fame or notoriety or for people to like you. And we're in a time right now where a lot of people's kindness and moral goodness is not even based upon their actions, it's based upon what they posted on social media. Like think about it, I'm gonna post about this so that everyone knows how good of a person I am, how much I care. I've got a, a little Ukraine flag in my, in my profile name. Look at me, I have a, I have a pride sticker on my car. I'm, I'm so loving, I love everyone look at me, look at me, everybody, look at my sticker. But if you think that your goodness and your kindness comes from what you're posting or comes from a sticker, then you are very, very lost. And it's not just the world that does this, it's Christians. Christians are just as guilty. Look at my little post of me going to church on a Sunday. I went to church on Sunday. Yippee, look at me. Then here's the next picture. It's me passed out, drunk in the gutter, but I posted about church on Sunday. I'm a good person. We see the same thing with the Pharisees in the Bible. It says that the Pharisees prayed loudly in front of people. They didn't pray to God, for God to hear. They prayed for people to hear look at us, we're religious leaders, we're so awesome, we're so good, we have a direct connection with God, we're so awesome. It was all based upon performance. How could they perform in that day to look good, to look kind? It even says that whenever they went out and gave charity, it was always like, I am now giving $10 to this poor man. I'm giving $10 to this poor man Look at my good deed for the day. Christians are just as guilty. And then in Luke 18, Jesus tells the story of a tax collector who comes into the temple to pray. The tax collector comes in in humility. He says, Lord, I, I've messed up. I'm so sorry. I need you. I need you in my life. And there's a Pharisee, a religious leader, a pastor who then loudly prays, Lord, thank you so much that I'm not like that guy. Thank you so much that I'm such a good person and I haven't done the bad things that that man has. Thank you so much, God. Every aspect of our culture is like this now. It's pointing the finger. You've literally done nothing. Your motive is all wrong, and yet you point the finger. I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty of this. I care about the planet so much. I care about the environment. How dare you drink from your plastic straw? Or this one. I've actually heard this one. I'm a vegetarian. I'm a vegan. How dare you eat animals? I hope your family gets eaten by wild animals. How dare you? Or anything with, with race. It's incredible to me. The amount of people who are like, oh, I love this particular race of people. And this group of people, I absolutely hate them. But it's only because they've been bad to this group. But literally, like, I'm a good white person. I'm a good white person because I hate white people. Because they're terrible. But I'm a good one. Because I'm on your side. What have you done to help? I posted something about how bad white people are. Fantastic. So you've done nothing. We're living in a culture where the basis of your goodness and morality is hating the right thing. That's what we live in. It's shocking. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense. It's the opposite of the kingdom of God. This is real kindness and goodness. Titus 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the goodness and kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared in human form as the man Jesus Christ, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy by the cleansing and the new birth, the spiritual transformation and regeneration and renewing of ourselves by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that we would be justified, made free of guilt and free of sin by his compassionate, undeserved grace, and that we would be acknowledged as acceptable to him and made heirs of eternal life according to our hope in Jesus. That is goodness and kindness. It's undeserved. You don't gain anything from it. Jesus didn't gain anything by going to the cross for you. Jesus did not gain anything by coming down from heaven, where he had everything, becoming a man, living his life, being hated, being spit upon, standing in front of Pharisees and religious leaders that didn't even recognize God in the flesh standing in front of him, he had nothing to gain, but he gave everything for you. That is goodness and kindness. All that he asks back from us is our love back to him and our obedience. And even at that, he gives us a choice. If I were God in all of my brokenness and imperfections, I wouldn't have stopped at the flood. I would have just been like, you know what? This is dumb. I shouldn't have given them the ability to choose. I'm going to wipe this planet out. I'm going to make a new one. And all these people are basically going to be my robots. They're going to worship me all day. And I won't have any problems. They'll just be programmed to love me and only me. And that's all they can choose. To love me. He could have done that. But he didn't. Because of his kindness and his goodness to you. The way you live out his kindness, I'll share this story really quick. I was at the gas station, petrol station, whatever it's called, and I was going up to the counter to pay for gas and pay for a bottle of water or something, and there's this lady in front of me. Her card wasn't working, and normally I don't pay attention to these things, but her card's not working. And then I feel the Holy Spirit say, pay for her stuff. Okay, pay for her stuff. She's walking out of the store. She's like, oh, thank you so much. No one does that, which I guess is true. I I just found that out about this place, that it apparently doesn't happen very often. So she walks out, goes to her car. I pay for my stuff, walk out. Then she stops me, and she's like, what made you do that? I said, the Lord told me. And I kid you not, the next thing out of her mouth, because she was like this, this tall, so she goes, are you an angel? And a part of me on the inside wanted to be like, yes, go to church. I said, no, I'm not an angel. Uh, I work at Destiny Church, and the Lord just told me to, to pay for your stuff. And then she started tearing up, and then she said, it it was next to the Queen Elizabeth Hospital, she said, my aunt is in the hospital, and this drink, it's her favorite drink, I'm about to go and take it to her. And I'm just so glad that you showed kindness to me because I I hate the fact that I'm having to go through this. I hate watching her suffer. Her aunt uh, had cancer. So then, I stopped and I said, do you believe in Jesus? She said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said, but do you believe in Jesus? She said, well, I went to church as a a girl. I was like, okay, well, Jesus loves you. And there's a reason why he told me to do this for you so that I could tell you how much he loves you. And then I prayed with her, prayed over her aunt, woman's name was Mandy she went on about her day I don't know what happened to her I don't know what happened to her aunt but imagine if that small moment got her curious about going to church got her curious about God you exhibit goodness and kindness by obeying God we don't have his eyes we don't see people the way that he sees them We can ask for it. You can ask for it every day. Lord, give me your heart for people. Give me your eyes for people. And you can have your ear tuned to what he's saying to you. But you going about your day using your own kindness, it's not going to get very far. It'll be a good deed, but it won't change somebody's life. There's a particular story in the Bible where God is called the God who sees me. And it's in Genesis chapter 16. How many of you know Abraham? Father Abraham, had many sons. Anyone know that song? Terrible. So Abraham, in the book of Genesis, he makes a covenant with God. Covenant is a promise, an unbreakable promise. And most covenants back then, like if I made a covenant with Tiger and the covenant was my family will protect your family. If somebody comes and attacks you, we'll be there to defend you. If I don't fulfill my end of that covenant, he had the right to come and slaughter my family. It was that important. So he makes a covenant with God and God promises him. What, what did he promise? Father of many sons, father of many children, a starter of a nation, the nation of Israel. He makes this promise to Abraham, but Abraham and his wife, Sarah, are super old like an ungodly, old, to be trying to have babies. But Sarah knows about this promise, and she decides, I'm gonna take this into my own hands. And Jen shared last week about patience, about moving too early on something, ruining the process. Whatever the process is that God has you going through, if you move in your own strength and you move too early, you will mess it up. He's good enough to fix it. He's good enough to come back and fix your situation. But it's always better to trust in his timing. We see this played out. Sarah has a maid, a servant. It's this young girl named Hagar. So Sarah goes to Abraham and she's like, hey, that promise that God made that you'd have a son, here's my maid, Go sleep with her and make a baby. This is probably how God is going to have, because I'm too old, but she's not. Go sleep with her. We'll have the baby, and then God's promise will come true. Amazing. You might hear that and think, oh, that's, that's weird. But this was a common practice. It was very common for whoever the man of the house was to procreate as much as possible. Because the more children you had, the more riches you had, the more of a chance you had to survive That's why Solomon had all those wives. God bless him. So this multiple wife thing, or having a a maid that would have your offspring, it wasn't God's design. It was never his design. It was something that man made up. But then she thinks, this is the way that God's gonna have it come to pass. So Hagar gets pregnant, and then all of a sudden Sarah's mad about it. Hagar's doing her own thing, and she's like, oh, well, you know, maybe if you weren't so old, you could have this this kid. And then Sarah gets ticked off. So Sarah starts mistreating her. She's abusing her. And this leads to Hagar running away to the desert. Then in verse 7, it says, but the angel of the Lord found Hagar by a spring of water in the wilderness on the road to Egypt, And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, or Sarai was her original name. Sarai's maid, where did you come from and where are you going? And she said, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit humbly to her authority. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. Behold, you are with child and you will bear a son and his name shall be Ishmael, which means God hears because the Lord has heard and paid attention to your persecution, to your suffering. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. Have I not, even here in the wilderness, remained alive after seeing him who sees me with understanding and compassion? This woman who is a servant, the lowest of the low, God sees her. And it says that she saw God. She saw him, he saw her. And when you think about her life, not only is she the lowest of the low, but this point in her life is the lowest of the low. She's a bond servant. She doesn't have any freedom. She has to sleep with some old guy. Now she's pregnant. And now the old guy's wife is mad and mistreating her. She has no food. She has no money. She has nowhere to go. Yet God sees her. He paid attention to what she was going through. And this is important because who are you seeing? How many times do we just walk past somebody? We don't pay attention to what the Lord has to say about that person. Or how many times does he say, go talk to that person and then we have that fear that comes up and we're like, oh, I don't know. Oh, They're, the, they're walking away, God. Too late. He's like, you can run. He's like, no, 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 I can't. I can't right now, God. And oh, they're getting in a car. Whoops. How many times do we do that when his eyes are on that person but ours are fixated on something else? And the thing that you have to remember is you You cannot see through his eyes. You can't see other people through his eyes until you first see yourself through his eyes. How does God see you? It's like I was saying earlier, you're you're his son, you're his daughter. That's who he sees. And he's not this screw-up earthly dad. He's the greatest dad that there is. You can't understand how he sees other people until you know how he sees you, until you know his kindness and goodness for yourself. Don't believe the lie that pops into your head that tells you this little problem that you have right now is too small for God. God doesn't care. He doesn't have time for that right now. He's dealing with bigger things. Also, you sinned this week, so he doesn't want to hear from you. Don't believe that. He loves you. He sees you. He sees the little things. He sees the big things. If he saw a servant girl alone in the desert, he sees you. And I'll close going back to Titus. Titus. But when the goodness and kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared in human form as the man Jesus Christ, He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but because of His own compassion and mercy. My question for you is have you truly felt His compassion and His mercy for you? Or have you felt shame? Have you felt condemnation? Have you felt like you've had to to first be a good person and then Jesus will love you? I have to fix all of these things and then I'll gain the love of Jesus. His kindness and goodness is already available to you. It's already here. Many of you have already felt it just tonight. Learn to see yourself the way he sees you.